Yo. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Fun Fact <laughs> here on the air. No one ever gets to hear these cool intros. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a shame. We have some follow-up. First up, we have uh, last episode we were talking about this toxic startup bro CEO. Right. The one who thought that people should be working on weekends because that's the only way anything could ever be achieved. Yes. And um, that if you were not hitting the, the goals that you had been given, that you were going to get fired without any discussion. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. What a nice guy. So it turns out that this company is called Revolut, like Revolution, but without the I-O-N. Um, I hate that name so much. You know, it has various uh, of the kind of douchey startup, you know, there's there's stuff going on with the net name. But Revolut is, the, is a uh, financial tech company based in the UK. And apparently uh, this has... This thing coming out, this Slack message uh, to the team about how they're going to get fired, has been just one piece of this fractal of BS going on in this startup. Um, so I'm going to put into the the show notes a link to an article in, in Wired, uh, which is just one of multiple about various questionable practices that have come out of the culture there, which is apparently we set extremely high targets and meet them at all costs. Uh, which is one of my pet peeves is this at all cost like <laughs> at all costs means there's costs right <laughs> yeah it can't be they, by by definition yeah and we're learning about some of the costs I, I think there's never just one thing right like if a company like it's rare that it's like one toxic thing has come out about yeah, this company and mm-hmm. nothing else ever does yeah I, I can i've learned over the years that if a company has a culture of hitting targets at all costs then there are many stories there about things that have gone wrong the human consequence uh, of these rules of corners that shouldn't have been cut about laws that were uh, so so one example uh, was this business where people were given sales targets so extreme that they resorted to using their hiring funnel to uh, offer give a lot of people like hundreds of people the sense that they uh, might get a job and then in order to to get the job, they were told that they had to recruit then hundreds of customers to the company for free in order to prove that they were worthy of the job. But then the vast majority of them wouldn't get the job uh, and they would just get all these recruited customers to help the hiring manager hit, hit their numbers. They turned it into like a mid-level marketing company? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically it's a multi-level or a multi-level mul- it's marketing. A pyramid scheme. <laughs> yeah, they turned it into a pyramid scheme just... Mm-hmm. Just because. Yeah, no, I, it's amazing. Like what, you know, people will try to achieve the things you set for them. And if you and the culture you set up will have consequences. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating. Yeah. So if you're interested in more of what not to do, if you'd like to build a sustainable startup and retain good employees, uh, then we'll have a couple links for you to read in there. Um, or if it sounds like really fun to be in a culture like that, <laughs> check out Revolut. Apparently they have more than 200 open job posts. Oh, really? Well, I, I don't know why. This, I don't know why, the, you know, there would be empty <laughs> jobs at a place like that. But, you know, apparently know. They're, they're, they're hiring. I'm going to make a resolution to look into Revolut. You see what I did there? That's good. That's a good. I enjoyed that wordplay. Thank you. Thank you. Over to Facebook FTC Complaint Corner, which is apparently yeah. a new regular segment on the show. Uh, this is where I live now. Yeah. yeah. Um, we we have an update on F, uh, the Facebook's various <laughs> legalities or, I guess, illegalities. Yeah. So we've discussed over the last couple episodes the uh, various problems that the Facebook is having with the FTC. Uh, and I uh, didn't we kind of like so the first episode we just said it and didn't explain it and the second episode we just explained who the ftc were but then i was like well what is this actually the what is the problem so uh so i looked it up and uh and what i learned is that facebook has been for many years now under an ftc consent decree which means that they agreed to something without admitting guilt for something uh and in this case the consent decree was around them having promised users that their data would be private when they first added third-party apps they said in very clear terms that the data would not be uh accessible by the third-party apps and then whole man was it accessible to the third-party apps so um uh, in the wake of that they agreed to this uh, decree with the ftc uh, which is um uh forty thousand dollars in fines per incident i think and uh and now the question is you know have they violated that ftc decree in various ways uh 
to which, uh, like as an example with Cambridge Analytica, to which they argue uh, no, and to which uh, every right-thinking person on the planet probably argues yes, uh, and uh, and so that's that. Anyway, that's the deal. That's why they're why, why the FTC would be investigating them in the first place. Well, in the first place is because yeah, so it's the the false advertising, and then they make agreements to not do particular specific bad things, and then they do the things right. in a repeating loop. Do, yeah, they do the things anyway. Yeah. Finally, we had some follow up, uh, some folks writing in about their mute filters which we talked about last time about how you should mute anything that you don't want to see make your own con murray zen twitter experience and <laughs> uh which i think is great um and so yeah. if any other people have particular mutes that they they want to share that they think are helpful then uh i'd be happy to see those but one that i particularly liked uh, that we got written in and i won't I won't uh, out the person who wrote this in because they didn't necessarily say that they needed it associated with their name because, I don't know, maybe some people would be grumpy about their tweets being muted. But um, the idea of muting the phrase or variance of in case you missed it, um, which is something that people often, people who follow a lot of Twitter accounts uh, but then promote things and they, they assume that you don't read most of your tweets and you might just randomly miss something they've posted they'll post like hey i have a blog post and then like three hours later they'll, they'll say in case you missed it i have a blog post and then like three hours later uh yeah no there's a blog post if you if you missed that so you just check it out there's the blog post like please like click on my link um and so you, the this is like a pretty clever uh little regex thing you can paste into if you use tweetbot or you can also just mute the phrase in case you missed it but if you want to get advanced um then in the show notes we'll have a little way you can mute variations of uh Hey, I already tweeted this, but I'm just going to keep doing it over and over again. Yeah, we'll put the regex, and then also, you know, the I C Y M I variant. I I want to say that uh, I have been very affected by the uh, by the discussion we had, and uh, and now my mute list has uh, dramatically uh, increased, um, and it is it is definitely making Twitter way more fun. I think there's something freeing about the realization that uh, it's my Twitter. Yes, you know, and, and I, I can see what I, I. This is obviously what you were teaching all of us, but I, I, I see what I want to see, and I don't have to see what you want me to see, and so I'm, I'm going to make Twitter a place I enjoy, uh, or, 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 uh, or leave after trying. Yeah, exactly. At least try. Uh, I'm going to try. Another one yeah. that I that came in that I quite liked was <laughs> the idea of muting uh, was this. Uh, please RT. Yeah, that's a good one. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If somebody is saying, please retweet this thing, then it's like guaranteed that that thing is trying to get attention uh, more so than trying to communicate uh, something to me. You know, it's trying for to. For sure. To, yeah. So I also banned quite a lot of URLs. Thank you for that tip. Yes. Domains that you're like, you know what? I'm going to see some stuff from this this sometimes, but uh, I've seen enough links to that for a while. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, it's time. Fun fact. Koalas are idiots. <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm just going to start out here. I'm going to say be careful because I love koalas. Oh, I love koalas. I, I so I was they're in, so cute. I know they're so cute. I was in Australia a few years back um, and got to know more about uh, koalas and other marsupials. And uh, they have a, at least a couple places where you can hold one. What? And yes, I don't know. I thought they were like claw-y they have claws but they're also pretty chill and they're idiots also (laughs) um so so and also i don't know if like maybe it was like silently in distress i don't want to think about it seemed happy it seemed reasonably chill okay but they were are they soft they look very soft yeah it was not quite as soft as i expected it to be but it was soft and and they just kind of they're like okay just hold your hands like this and then they just kind of put the koala on you and it kind of snuggles you uh so that was amazing Uh, that's amazing uh, yeah and so i don't want to i don't want to disparage koala's cuteness abilities um but koalas unfortunately um not super bright because of this this thing that you most people maybe have have been heard about the fact that koalas exclusively eat eucalyptus leaves yeah and you know whatever that's fine there's lots of animals that eat a particular kind of leaf but eucalyptus leaves are a poisonous so <laughs> it's not super great um yeah. for that and then it's poisonous to them well it's it's substantially less poisonous to them um okay. but like these are it's leaves good. that really don't want to be eaten because they're poisonous okay. and they have almost no nutrition in them like there's almost no digestible <laughs> stuff in a eucalyptus leaf so uh-huh. 
so koalas get over this by just eating constantly, just huge quantities of eucalyptus leaves. Oh, just leaves. day and night mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. the eucalyptus. Yeah, to the point that it actually like wears down their teeth. <laughs> this is actually horrible, uh, but it wears down to their teeth <laughs> oh, no. to the point that they can't eat anymore. Uh, oh no! Yeah, they kind of suck at living. But the 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 specific thing of of the the fact that they're idiots is that there isn't enough energy in the eucalyptus leaves to like have a substantial brain like a, a full-size brain for their body size so they're they have the smallest brains proportionally of any uh of any marsupial what yeah oh my goodness yeah because they're just eating these leaves that, that just barely keep them alive uh, and so they're apparently a lot of their brain cavity is just is just uh like fluid <laughs> Just, okay. It sounds like something I would be making up, but it's yeah. This is like a horror story. I know. Well, I mean, I, they're not. They're not like. I don't think they're in pain or anything. Like, I no, think no, no. Just, they don't know. They don't know. They're just like going to yeah. use some more leaves. Going to leave it up. But like they're they're so dumb that if you uh, like if you have a koala and you're like, oh, the koala, you're hungry. I'll give you some of these eucalyptus leaves, and you like take the leaves off the plant and you like give the leaf to the koala. It just stares at the leaf blankly and cannot recognize that this is a leaf that it can eat now because it's not on the branch anymore. Oh my god! It can't. It can't do make the connection. No, it cannot. It does not. Re- it's like what's that? Th- I don't eat that thing. I eat things on branches. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's like I don't. What this is? <laughs> this is clearly not. Like they look at you like this is clearly not a, a, a eucalyptus. No. Leaf. Like, what are you doing? Eucalyptus leaves like, are on branches. You dumb. They're looking at you like you're dumb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And apparently, the like most mammals' brains have grown over the m- generations, millions of years, uh, so that they've kind of filled the skull to the point that the brains kind of are are like rough and folded upon themselves. Uh, if that makes sense, you can kind of imagine mm-hmm. the shape of a brain. Koalas yeah. just kind of smooth. It's just like yeah, just <laughs> just got this smooth brain. And they like advanced features of the uh, the more evolved brains. So just they're just kind of. Oh, Dumbly eating eucalyptus leaves, which is—they are so lucky they're cute. Yeah, well, I mean, it sort of goes a little bit with cuteness, like you think of like a cute, defenseless thing, but like they really are all in on that. The yeah. Wow. Yeah. These are some some hard koala effects. There's hard. They're hard koala effects, but you can snuggle them if you go to Australia, and maybe that will make you feel. Yeah, that that does sound delightful. A little bit better, but this is like uh, I've got super into when I was Australia, like this thing about placental mammals versus marsupials do you know anything about this uh, just that it's a thing yeah right it's a thing like most mammals like humans and most of the mammals that we know almost every mammal you know who you would think of don't tell me what i know most mammals i know <laughs> are or, or, or that we see in the world are placental because uh, right. you know however many million years ago they the we mammals got this cool new invention which was like hey if we have a placenta you can have the baby grow in the womb a lot longer and then get more advanced yeah Yeah. without having to kind of like have this like really really defenseless baby um early on so we got the placentas which are awesome technology um really great for for evolution but that evolution happened after marsupials got to australia and didn't like make it across they did they did not import placentas they, they were oh wow okay because australia a big island far away from stuff exactly and so they just all, no placentas all the weird mammals and australia you're like if you go to australia that oh, was like oh yeah. capybaras and and kangaroos yeah. and kangaroos koalas. these are all weird there's a whole bunch of weird fuzzy kind of defenseless kangaroos have defenses but like there's lots of like if you just wombats and stuff like there's all sorts of these like weird semi-spherical defenseless like not super great at living animals in australia and you think why did these survive it's because there was no lion to just like eat them excessively until they were gone right they would have been lion paradise they would have been lion paradise uh but there's no big there's no big predators there have you experienced this by the way that do you do you you know a lot of australians Uh, i know a handful of australians so uh, multiple Australian people that I know, and and please let us know, readers or, or listeners, if you if you have a different experience. They they're not fond of kangaroos. Mm, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, they like koalas, mm-hmm. but, the, but the, I've had the kangaroo been been compared to uh, an Australian deer. Uh, yeah. That, that is a menace to the population that should be, uh, you know, taken out at all costs. And I was like, what? But the, uh, they're so cute. And they, but apparently no, not, not popular. Kangaroos kick things 
that don't yeah. want to be kicked and yeah. kind of a nuisance. <laughs> yeah, they like to kick stuff. Yeah, but again, marsupials. So that's uh, if you ever want to um, uh, really screw up Australia, you just introduce a few large predators, get some uh, some lions or, or grizzly bears in there. There are lions there now, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Just not not wild. Maybe. Yeah, in the zoo or whatever. Um, so if one of those lions breaks it's out. It's just going to eat all the koalas in like it just eats. six weeks. That's what I'm saying, yeah. So be careful out there in Australia because I love koalas. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's kind of fun that they get this little playground. The mercy peels continue, continue to live on uh, despite otherwise being a evolutionarily kind of, kind of deprecated. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. The idea that, that because they because they happened to get to Australia or maybe they were there when Australia split off or whatever. Yeah, I think that's what it was. They just didn't. They were, it was like Pangaea or whatever. It was one giant continent. Right. And then Australia split off, took the marsupials with it, and then lions came along, ate all the marsupials everywhere else. Because it uh, is otherwise kind of random that all of these are in kind of one place. Yeah, they were everywhere, right? Like there were marsupials, were the dominant mammals. Like, and then even before that, there was like, uh, I think monotremes, like the platypi, that like mammals that lay eggs, which is like the really, really early mammals. Right. Um, and then the ones that gestated the like umbilical cords and stuff, like there's the marsupials that's like the next upgrade from monotreme which like m- mostly kind of took out the 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 monotremes and then w- when they came along with placental mammals the upgrade from that um then they they uh took over yeah but luckily one weird corner of the world preserved these delightfully cute and very dumb animals yeah. And also just a bunch of stuff that will kill you, but it's small enough that... Right, like everything in Australia will kill you. That's the meaning. Yeah, right? all, everything like... except the mammals. Like the, the, the non-mammals <laughs> will kill you instantly, but the mammals yeah. are just the like cute like, and fuzzy. Mm, I'm really cute, but I'm dumb. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So check it out. So here's one for you. Fun fact. On April 18th, 1930, the BBC News announcer came on and said, there is no news. And they played piano music instead. April 13th, 1930. April 18th. 1930. 1930. So that's like the Great Depression. Um, it's very early. It's like little shortly after the, you know, like the stock market crashes in October uh, 29. This is April 30. Uh, I, I thought this was amazing. So I went and looked up the Wikipedia page for 1930. And the only news for April 18th in the world on that page and obviously you know whatever but it's uh the beginning of a of a rebellion in india but it's like the first day not much to say yet right and bbc radio from london reports on this day that there is no news so it wasn't <laughs> like it wasn't like the king it. died and they like are scrambling in the background there just wasn't any news there just was no news oh, i'm it, trying to think of it like, was the, what was the thing they were covering up for what was the no 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 it was it was 8 45 <laughs> news bulletin and they were they, they interrupted a, a broadcast of an opera just to let everyone know that there's nothing to there's know. No news. And then they played piano music for 15 minutes and then they went back to the opera. Huh. That is really refreshing in this today's world that all day, every day, you could get 100,000 minutes of non-news news for every minute of just, uh, you know, breaking news someone across the street, you know, breaking news. There's a rumor that someone might announce that they're considering to run for president. Um, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, are you running for president yet? Cause I'm pretty sure it's literally everyone. Well, I haven't made it. I haven't decided. I haven't made, I'm consulting with my family. Oh, you're just exploratory committee. Exploring, evaluating. Yeah. I want to see how best I can serve Canada. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Canada. No, I was talking about here. I understand you're not eligible, but you know, no, but I, you know, it's my, I want to. I want to make yeah, sure the people that I, need you. Yeah, <laughs> but no, that's. I agree. Like, I can't even conceive of this happening in in 2019. I mean, it's slightly that we know more of. Uh, like, we have much deeper reach into all this stuff as far sure. as the ability to collect news is more efficient. But it, it seems to me there's got to be a really big uh, proportion of that as being them being stricter about. What is worth worrying about and promoting news-wise back then? Yeah. Yeah. I think also uh, they apparently had a much more strict standard for what news was in in 1930. I could get on that. Uh, I could get on that. At least on the BBC. Mm. It was like news agencies and government announcements and, you know, things like that. 
like they just didn't define fluff as news. Like they would never like, you know, you, you look at like the six o'clock news in most local cities and it's a lot of stuff um, that I don't, you know, traditionally would not necessarily be categorized as news. Right. Yeah, which is now, you know, increasingly a large and large. I mean, the line in between news and entertainment is obviously just getting more and more blurred. But right. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that it's not news just because you want to know about it. Right. Um, Foxnews.com front page right now. I mean, you know, there's various things they could be talking about. Um, but the one of the top headlines is risque mother of the bride dress goes viral on Twitter, gets mercilessly teased. Yeah, so that in 1930, they're like, that's not news. That would not, they're not interrupting our opera for that. <laughs> they're not, they're not going to do it. They're like, what, why would we do that? No, I mean, like, the news is, yeah, it's it's like half gossip, right? Like, so. Half gossip? That's like 99%. <laughs> the mother of the bride had a risque dress. Well, the mother of what bride? I don't even, it's some random person's mother? Okay, I wasn't going to click on this, but here we no, go. No, no, no. I don't click here on it. Here we no, go. No, 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 now no, I'm teaching no, 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 the algorithm that I want to know more about. Oh, no. This is going to be, they're going to think you only want bride mom news from now on. Risque mother of the bride dress is going viral after someone posted the interesting frock to Twitter. So it isn't even about a person wearing this. Oh, oh it was just the dress was posted on yeah, Twitter? Yeah, someone posted the dress and was like, okay, now I have to put this into the show notes. But it was like, hey, you, you could wear this dress and it's like you know, a revealing dress that was marketed by someone as a dress that the mother of a bride could wear to a wedding. Um, and then people were angry about it. That, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the picture of the dress. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's it's a remarkable dress. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I, risque is maybe not the word I would use, but it's a, it, you know. I mean, it's, it's a, not it's not risque. Dress. I mean, I wouldn't use that word because I don't use that word. <laughs> But if, if someone, if I was filling out a quiz and it was like, is this dress risque? I would be like, the answer is yes. That's what you were looking for here. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you see it at the a- angles. Mm. Yeah. That's definitely a... Like, like I would say that this would be definitely not appropriate for work. <laughs> uh, it, I don't know what work environment you would want to wear this in, but I think a lot of them would be... Maybe it would be appropriate for a, like, 1920s... Well... Well, a fake 1920s cocktail party? Like, what people now think the 1920s yeah, was like? Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> but in actual 1920s, you'd be arrested, yeah. I want to know... Listen, I don't deserve to know any of this, and I don't even want to know who this mother was, but I... Oh, I see. It wasn't even an actual person, right? It was just labeled. No, it's just a model being like, hey, there's this this black dress that's partially see-through, and then somebody yeah. typed into the CMS for putting this for sale or whatever, I referred to it as a mother of the bride dress. I want to know what the bride looks like at the wedding where the mother dresses like this. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Weddings call them, come in all kinds. That's what I'm saying. I want to, I want to go to that wedding. But yeah, that tweet uh, made it to the, cov- the, the front, front page, page of, of one of the main news sources. It's got to be like, in America, I would expect by like total watched hours or whatever i would be surprised if it's not in the top two i don't know i don't know the stats but it would i I mean as a completely ignorant guess i would guess that yeah but so that's you know that's kind of kind of crazy right but so you know i mean there are many reasons why i would not want to be living in 1930 but one Uh, good thing would be that instead of this it would say there was no news there's no news yeah like if there's no news there's no news i get sometimes sucked into the 24-hour news subcycle, or like this sort of overexposing yourself to certain categories of news sometimes. Um, mm. Like I'll get really into, like I got really into the Vancouver city election a few months ago where well, I was sure. in the slacks about it. I was following all the bunch of Twitter accounts about it. I was going to live podcast recordings to get the like up wow, to the okay, minute. Wow, you were really into yeah, it. Yeah, uh, I was too into it. And it was... <laughs> It was, and that's just a micro, micro, micro thing in the scheme of right. all stuff. Um, and I was able to like oversaturate myself even on that. There was just so much information that was available to you. Yeah, about it's a hyper local thing. 
but there was there was just lots of little sub stories like hey there's this one person who is a big donor to this one person this one candidate who then got caught doing something scandalous so then what does that mean for the race and uh this person uh has a new poll coming out that's tomorrow that's going to show where all the various people are let's talk about what we think the poll is going to be <laughs> right and it's just it, yeah yeah no no <laughs> i remember before the uh, last presidential election i was just you know binging on it Ugh. and at some point no one has any there's you, there's no new news <laughs> right? so you're just you're just it's just talking about talking about talking about talking and that's why all these mini controversies that are may not even be based in anything just get created and spun and talked about and discussed and rediscussed and it's just endless because the attention is there yeah and that's why you kind of you benefit a lot from in theory from news that does not have an incentive to churn itself right like obviously Mm. if it's 24-hour tv news that has to have someone talking about something at all times they're going to talk about something at all times and make something seem important at all times yeah they will create something of importance and if you are on a website that can post stories and promote certain ones then they have a little more freedom to say well you know what the top headline of today is actually still the same top headline from yesterday because it's still the most important thing that's happened recently and we have some more info about it but it's still the top thing and then if you go out even further to something that is like a uh a ma- more like a magazine uh but in the like journalist investigative journalist kind of uh mold then you might once a week get a more in-depth thing about something that has mattered for more than 24 hours. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the other thing too, was that in the newspaper days, of course, and they, they, you know, they had to stuff had to be of a certain timeless nature or there'd be no point in even printing it, but they were printing multiple newspapers per day at certain points. Yeah. 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 There's just something to be said for slow in the roll. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh i got uh this one is a tip fact uh, so fun fact there is fun one weird trick to emceeing an event have you ever have you ever had to emcee something i have yeah yeah it's it's something that like doing an okay job i i found like doing an okay job isn't super hard but you find yourself accidentally or i did the first couple times i did it accidentally stumbling in certain ways or kind of feeling like i've made it made kind of screwed things up or the flow of the event didn't go right and took me a while to learn what the the trick is or at least what i find the trick is to emceeing if you ever find yourself in that in that situation which is to control the silence when you i was gonna let the silence go for longer well, it can go as long. The silence will go as long as I wanted to. <laughs> I was trying in the to edit. control it. Oh, that's true. No one will ever know. We can get as much silence as we want. Um, the silence of the event, when used intentionally, pulls attention to you. So there's there's music. Everyone's talking. Whatever. And then if you're able to get up to the microphone and then signal to the DJ to cut the music, then everyone's like, "Oh, the music stopped," and they'll look up to you. It's time to listen. Right? Right. But if you don't have your shit together and they cut the music and then everyone looks at you and then you don't have your thing to say or you don't have your cue cards or you were going to introduce someone and they're not there yet, then they start talking again. And then they're like, oh, the silence is not actually a reliable signal that I should be paying attention. And then you, and then you start to lose it. You lose that ability to kind of pull everything together. And so, mm. so being able to say, okay, music means talk and then silence means pay attention and then kind of fulfill that promise of when there is silence, give them something worth paying attention to. Or if there was a mistake if you're if you're like hey dj silence and they're like hey everybody uh i just wanted to introduce and then you look around and you're like you see that the person you want to introduce isn't there anymore they have disappeared to go get a drink then you say actually in fact uh i'll be back in a minute with somebody to introduce and everyone kind of laughs and then you just for the dj to put the music back on and then they all go back to what they were doing as opposed to what i did the first couple times was things like start saying something and then realize i didn't I was stuck or I needed to ask a question or I didn't have a cue card or the person I was supposed to be introducing wasn't there. And then I just stop and then everyone awkwardly doesn't want to be the first one to stop talking and doesn't really know 
what to do and then they start talking but then i want their attention again and it's just like every, each time that would happen like i would physically hurt <laughs> but i didn't fully understand what had happened but the 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 thing is about controlling the silence so if you ever am seeing again you can keep that in mind yeah so just just like the silence it, it's not just that you use the silence effectively but that if you if you use the silence or if you allow the silence to be used ineffectively then it actually hurts your situation yes exactly it both is awkward and then less the evening has less flow and then you use lose the ability to use silence to draw focus yeah um and then a part like a key kind of sub tip of that that i also learned and i also learned this like emceeing meetups and and little conferences and stuff like that is that uh if you're going to hand over to someone else they don't know this like they're not probably someone who's thinking about MC. they're thinking about their okay the the father of the bride's going to give a speech or this person is going to give his talk about javascript or whatever and they are if you hand the baton to them, they are not necessarily going to be able to shuck and jive until they're ready to start talking and and mm. can keep the audience entertained, right? Um, sometimes people, mm. I have seen it happen, like if, if they're a practice presenter or whatever, and then you're like, all right, and everybody, please put your hands together for Arc Devin's applause. And then you're like, yeah, just give me a minute here. I'm just logging into my computer still. I'm just going to get my slides up. Yeah, so how's everyone doing? And you're doing it well kind of bantering with the audience like if that some people can do that right. but more often you'll get people be like oh hi uh, um yeah just uh give me uh, uh, a sec and then they're panicking and then it's silent and the audience is awkward and you're awkward and you feel bad for putting this person on the spot so the the way one of the key things to keep that silence under control is that you well the music is on or or if there's no music even just before everyone is paying attention do a little check with the person that you're going to intro and be like hey you ready to go they're there you you look oh their their laptop is there it's connected to the projector or you have your cue cards or whatever they need uh they have a they have their champagne if they're going to do a toast um (laughs) and then then you do your intro and with saying and then the person's name everyone applauds and then they you don't kind of drop the ball on the floor yeah one thing one point that you bring up that i think is also really valuable is that uh you know there's so much it's it's rare that you're in an event where you would be doing this where the you have something you need to be talking about the whole time right you're coming in you're coming out and allowing the the natural crowd discussion to happen can be so important too because you know that's in in some sense what people are there for that's a lot of value people want to talk to each other exactly and so also facilitating that letting that happen and not feeling like you need to own the moment the entire time i think is also uh, very important yeah. Yeah. And that's true of weddings or meetups or conferences or anything like, you know, people honestly, there's a pretty good chance they care about talking to each other more than they care about your thing <laughs> that you're introducing. Yeah. But I would say usually yeah, it's pretty common. Yeah. Um, and, and so making space for that uh, is good. Oh, and then also like another meta MC thing that's not about controlling the science, but silence, but it's something that you can't do at the last second, which is make sure you know what the next thing is and when it's going to happen so you can tell people, uh, which is a fairly obvious thing when you're standing up there. Yeah, good scheduling is important. Uh, Yeah, but I I would often, in the early days of doing it, I would come up with, I would go up and I would say a thing. I'd be like, oh yeah, this is going to be whatever, or this is, you know, the thanks to this person or whatever. And then I would want to say, all right, and then the next thing is going to be this at this time, but I didn't know. (laughs) So I was just like, all right, well, have fun. (laughs) talk amongst yourselves yeah Uh, yeah yeah. here i'll give you a topic the holy roman empire neither holy nor roman nor an empire exactly talk Talk. about yourselves yeah uh that uh probably because given that you're not mike myers as far as we know uh that probably won't he is good enough at doing voices that you don't know for sure i'm not mike myers that's what i'm saying i mean the most of the people listening have probably never met you i'm canadian which was already a bit of a hint Ooh, that's true. That's true. Let me ask you people, have you ever seen Alan and Mike Myers in the same room? See? Point yeah, proven. Point proven. Uh, that's called modus ponens. That's what you just used there. Proof. That's the fallacy? Proof by Mike Myers, yeah. That's the, the Latin term for it. Oh, wow. All right. There's some Latin in my next fact. I'm excited. Hit me with some Latin. Yeah. Should we jump in? Uh, yeah, I'm ready for a Latin fact. All right. It's, well, it's not... Uh, I'm expecting well, okay. Latin now. <laughs> You sold it. You sold it as a Latin fact. All right, here we go. Fun fact: There was never a person in ancient times 
named Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, oh. Hmm. Like... Now, hmm. now, okay. now, listen, listen, listen. Before anyone stops listening, unless you've already stopped listening, in which case, sorry, uh, <laughs> I am not challenging the historicity, that's a good word, or divinity, or really any fact about Jesus. I'm making a point about the fact that the name Jesus did not exist at that time period, and Jesus' name was actually pronounced Yeshua. Yeshua. Ah, that definitely sounds like a cromulent, uh, like Jewish name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I thought we could talk about that name and then how we got from Yeshua to Jesus. All right. Take me on a journey. Uh, to be also, I should insert to pre warn you, I find the historicity, uh, the historical uh, idea or what we do or don't know about the history of Jesus to whatever or, or Yeshua uh, to be really fascinating. And, and like what stories and what history, historical accounts that, you know, you know, scientifically minded historians can put together and then what the, the gospels say. And so I've always found that kind of very fascinating. So I may interject periodically to ask questions and, or yeah, please do <laughs> claim things. <laughs> right on. So, uh, Okay, so the the name Yeshua was actually a fairly common name uh, in that time period. Uh, and it's actually an alternate form or kind of like a nickname for Yehoshua, which means God is help. And uh, there were a lot of people with that name around that time. And in fact, the name Yehoshua is also a name that most people listening know because it is now pronounced Joshua. Joshua. Right. It's mm-hmm. also my middle name. Hey, cool. uh, the original Joshua was uh, an assistant to Moses, uh, who was originally called Hosea, but renamed by Moses to Yehoshua for reasons that are very unclear to me, even reading it. Uh, and then that later got shortened to Yeshua for also for reasons that are unclear to me. Uh, but after well, that happens all the time, like Robert becomes Bob. Yeah, this Bill it's William just, becomes eh. Bill. Right. Yeah. It's just, these, these things right. happen. So you get nicknames. It is, uh, it is generally under, agreed by historians, and here we go into some historians. It is generally agreed by historians that Jesus and his disciples and basically everyone living in uh, Judea at that time spoke a language called Aramaic. Mm-hmm. And Aramaic is another Semitic language, uh, similar in some ways to Hebrew, but it's not the same language. Uh, Jesus spoke Aramaic and he had a Hebrew name, right? But uh, the Christian Bible was not written in Hebrew. And it was not written in Aramaic. Do you know what language it was written in? I know, like Greek was a really early, a really early version was in Greek, but I wouldn't have said that was the original version. I would have said Aramaic if you'd asked me. It was written in Quine Greek. Okay, which was like that the, was the original original languages. Yeah, written. and that was like the original. That was like kind of the. It's because that was the literary language of the time period. Sure, so it was a dialect of Greek that was widely spoken sort of around all of the uh, Mediterranean region of the time. Yeah, and the time they're getting written, uh, the the census, that's like, you know, 50 to 200 years after yeah. the time that he would have lived. Yeah, yeah. Um, so everything written in, in, in Greek. So when they translated his name from Yeshua in, in, Aram, in Hebrew to Greek, there were some problems. It, they had to write it a little differently. And what they wrote it as was Iesus, which is spelled I-E-S-O-U-S if you transliterate the Greek letters to uh, English letters. And the reason is because uh, Quine Greek didn't have a letter that would do the sh sound, so they just use an mm. S. And they also added an S at the end because that was how masculine names were written in Quine Greek. And for, for uh, grammar purposes, they needed to have that there so that it would decline correctly and or, or be inflected correctly in all the grammatical cases. Right. So it was a kind of a Google Translate bug. Basically. So now we've got, because it was a transliteration. It was literally, they just tried to go with the sounds. Letter by letter. Letter by yeah. letter from Yeshua. And we get to Iesus. Okay. So then uh, from Greek, it went into Latin. And here's your Latin that I promised you. Uh, and in Latin, it was less of a change. It went from... Iesus into I-E-S-V-S, because of course there was no U at that time. Uh, but it was basically pronounced the same, Iesus. 
Uh, but in Latin, it would be... Wait, so I-E-S-V-S. So basically, if you wrote Jesus, but you didn't have J-S used an I, and you didn't have U, but use a V. Correct. That's, that's okay. But the V sound was pronounced as ooh, not uh. Right, which is why we have all these Roman monoliths with Vs instead of Us, right. and it's fine. Right. It's also why it was Iulius... Uh, Caesar sure. uh, 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 instead of Julius Caesar, right? Like right. Latin was pronounced very differently, and actually Latin changed over the time. In Latin, it declined to Iesu, uh, Iesum, and Iesus, depending on which situation. And some people, in fact, still say Jesu because of that. Mm, yeah, I've seen that. Right. So from Latin, it goes into Early Middle English, and it's spelled I E S U. Oh wow! And it's still pronounced Iesu, right? Uh, but until the, because until the twelfth century. There was no J sound in English. Really? There was also no J sound in Aramaic, Hebrew, Latin, or Greek. Because there isn't a lot of words that start with J. Well, there are now. uh, And that's because from the 12th century, for the next 500 years or so, the J sound got really, really popular. And a lot of words that used to start with an I or a Y were replaced by J's. Okay, yeah. And this was especially true of men's names. Apparently because they thought Joseph, it was a more John. masculine sound. Yeah, so James becomes James, Joseph yes. becomes Joseph, <laughs> Julius becomes Julius, everything becomes sure. Jan becomes John. Everything gets a J. So at that point it their people are saying Jesus, but it's still spelled at that point I E S U S. But even like the the fact that J was a relatively recent introduction to English makes sense just from Scrabble. There's only one J. <laughs> so we must know, therefore. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> that it's uh it's it's kind of a noob. So it was spelled Jesus all the way up until like the fifteen hundreds, sixteen hundreds. Uh I think the first time it was ever spelled with a J was in fifteen twenty six. But even like as late as like sixteen eleven it was being spelled with an I. When was the the King James Shakespeare version of the, the Bible? 1611, I it's believe. Like around something around there, yeah. So it's like in that... In that period. Like that was like around when they were like, let's go with this uh, Jesus spelling. Yeah, so it's very early modern English. Right. Now, from Jesus to Jesus, well, there's two things that we have to have happen, right? Really, actually three. The first is that you have to go from ooh to uh, Right. Jesus to Jesus, right? Right. And that happened as the result of something that we could do a whole thing on on its own. It's called the Great Vowel Shift. Hmm. And basically from the 14th to the 18th centuries, English pronunciation of every vowel dramatically changed. I would say pretty much anything that there's a Wikipedia, the great something something can be a topic at some point. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, the Great Vowel Shift is really interesting because if you listen to uh, Middle English, and maybe I'll do an episode sometime on what the heck old, middle, and modern English are and when they cut off. But if you listen to Middle English, it is really hard to understand. But most of the words are the same, and a lot of the grammar is the same. What's really hard is because all the vowels are different. Mm-hmm. And so unless you're really thinking about it and you kind of know what the switches are, it's like it just sounds like a completely different language, even though all the words are the same. And it's spelled very similar. Right. So from so with that with the u to the u uh, we have j sus, and then the final two things that happened is that an, the s migrated in a lot of people's pronunciations to a z sound right it's g sus not g sus mm. and uh and the emphasis moved from g sus to g sus. Yeah, you don't even people don't even think about emphasis like you just hear a word that's emphasized in a certain way like we all know that it's jesus and not jesus but no one teaches anyone that and that just is a rule that's i guess written in the dictionary but no when someone looks in the dictionary they're not even looking for that no yeah you would need to know how to write read that ipa pronunciation you know the the stuff that you see Uh in wikipedia for like how you say stuff uh so why did that happen uh the emphasis part it's just again the, the the changing over time uh just like over over a long long period of time the way english words uh emphasis work just the rules just changed I guess um, I'm just quickly going in my head. Most English words, if they're two syllables, the emphasis is on the first syllable. Is there any counterexamples you can think of, where the where it's instead of like 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 Jesus, it's Jesus? Like I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can think of any. And I noticed that when when uh, friends or or family of mine who 
whose na- first language is not English, that's actually one of the more common mistakes that they make is putting the emphasis on the second part instead of the first part. Um, so I, I can't think of, I can't think of almost any, maybe any counterexamples, that, at least none that, and I think I would imagine if you did come up with any, they'd be words that are actually not, that are kind of more recent additions to English. Yeah. Like loan word from some other language. Right. Where it, yeah. So, so yeah, so there we go from, uh, Yeshua to Jesus in only 2000 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's ama- amazing how time flies. It's so true. I want to thank, by the way, my mom for, uh, her help with, uh, some of this information. That's awesome. I like that it's a journey too. Yeah. And it's still, and, and the other crazy thing is that it's still, the j- journey's still happening. Journey's still going. Right. Yeah, who knows? Like, like someone on a podcast 2,000 years from now yeah. would be explaining how it went from Eosis to Hoosh-a-Hoo. To <laughs> Hoosh-a-Hoo. <laughs> Which is what eventually it, it is 2,000 years from now. I like hoosh And then the, the, the story's only like half done. But the story's clearly only half done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a completely unrelated domain and that I cannot think of a transition for. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. I don't have any, I don't have any pronunciation. Uh, uh, well, uh, what, wait, hold on. You mean you don't have in your deep backbench catalog? Oh, maybe. Well, let me take a look. <laughs> I mean, I've got another fun fact for you, so you let me know if you just need me to go, you know. I, I can't see any, I can't see any, in this big okay. list, I can't see any pronunciation related <laughs> ones. Although, oh yeah, although the, the one related thing, I don't know if I have good, funny, fun facts about the historicity of Jesus, but I do find that fascinating. Well, you we, we could talk about that at more length another time, but I, you know, yeah, this was more linguistic in nature. So, fun fact, unrelated, but I think useful to know. If you want to save for your tire, for retirement. I don't. No, I definitely do. Everyone should. If you want to save for retirement, which anyone in our industry and generation uh, will want to do because we don't have pensions anymore and uh, we don't have the, some of the the uh, employer loyalty and stability uh, that previous generations may have been able to assume, um, that the way to do it is to buy one of everything. Okay, so I want to buy one car and one banana. And one and one drum of radioactive yeah. <laughs> waste. Yeah, exactly. One uh, bunker. No. So so when I say that, I am specifically talking about investing your money in uh, as many different companies and stocks and markets evenly and dumbly as possible, as opposed to the traditional. So you're talking about diversifying your bonds. I'm talking about diversifying, diversifying your bonds, diversifying your stocks. Uh, and uh, that's something that uh, is anyone who's read a little bit about stock investing and investing in general. If you ask them, should you diversify? They know that the correct answer is yes. But the research and consensus and best practice around this over the last 40 years has settled into not just diversifying in general is good, but that radical diversification, which is basically putting your money into an, into a dumb fund that just buys one of everything is the mathematically best way to maximize your eventual retirement fund. You want a, a fund that puts just a li- buys one, literally one of everything. Okay. So not exactly literally one. Because okay. I'm like, if I own one stock in every company. I'll explain in slightly more detail. Uh, that actually would probably also work okay. Um, but huh. there's a way that works a little better than that. Okay. Um, okay. And also because that would only work if you had an exact amount. That would only work if you had, what, $47 million or some exact amount. You, wait, hold on. You so, don't have $47 million? I don't have exactly $47 oh, I, mean, I mean, everyone has $47 million. Okay. I think, I hopefully, our listeners are all <laughs> at least 47 millionaires. But the, the, the thing I'm talking about is called index investing. And this is something that was invented in the 60s by this guy named John Bogle, who recently passed, uh, which is part of kind of why this is top of mind. Mm. Um, and he... Did a uh, the like I guess a master's thesis in the '60s, which was had this really 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 long name that he's not a very good uh, namer of things, okay. uh, but he was good at simplifying uh, investment approaches because he was able to show. Wait, whoa, whoa, that... whoa, whoa. what was the really long name? <laughs> I can find it. You can't just say uh, it's a really long on this show. 
We tell you what the goofy, really long names of things are. The name was Mutual Funds Can Make No Claims to Superiority Over the Market Averages, was the title of the, of the paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't in a pith. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't snappy. That's great. Um, Thank you. Thank you for doing that research for us. We all uh, are happy. You're welcome. So he he wrote this thesis, and people were very hostile to it uh, because he basically was saying, "Hey, I looked at all these efforts people are making into trying to pick the best stocks and try to predict what's going to go up more than other things, and like buy the make the investments that are going to get you the most return." And it turns out that you're all wasting your time, and that they, we should, they should just shut everything down and just buy some such that you will get the average return because on average all of you professional stock pickers are getting worse than average returns so i see so what you're saying is put your money in an index fund yes so an index fund which didn't exist at the time when he invented this he invented it he was like hey if you just bought so the stock index like the smp 500 for is an example of a stock index which is the 500 uh, biggest companies in America, which is 90-ish percent of the American economy um, wow. because of the way that the distribution is. Um, or there's a l- larger ones like the whatever, it's 5,000 largest companies or whatever, mm-hmm. but an index that's basically just generally tracking the overall economy and mar- stock market, you can just set up now a computer, then just almost effectively an intern, an accountant, to just say, proportionally buy all these stocks with this money. And then leave it alone. I see. So take the money I want, I have to invest because I don't have 40 whatever million dollars. Yeah. And put uh, it equally in all of these different stocks. Right. And then leave it alone. And then don't try to alone. figure out, well, it looks like BlackBerry is having a hard time. We should sell our BlackBerry stock. No, right. don't do that because it's already low because everyone else knows that it's low. And it might, it's probably going to go lower, but it might come, it might be Apple and re- resurge. We don't know. Don't screw with it. Don't lose a bunch of money buying and selling and creating fees. Don't pay someone 2% a year of your money oh, yeah. in order Definitely to don't do screw that. around buying and selling things on your behalf. Yeah. Just buy one of everything and leave it alone. Just buy so, one of everything. Yeah. And so this is what, uh, you know, he, the market was, or the, his compatriots were hostile to this idea. Um, but uh, he... So he went off on his own and started his own investing company called Vanguard. I've heard uh, of he that. Got better, he got better at naming things. <laughs> yeah, that's a much better name than uh, mutual yeah. blah, 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 blah. Exactly. Uh, and Vanguard's whole thing was these uh, were originally mutual funds, um, which uh, were basically a way that you don't have to literally buy one of everything. You can just buy some stock or some buy some share in someone else who is going and buying one of everything on your behalf. I see. So if I invest in Vanguard or an index fund in general, then then I yeah, it just it narrows. They are going to do the widening yes, for me exactly. Okay. Um. So you don't have to do the effort of going into okay. I'm going to buy one share in Apple and and then trying to manage that right. So they do that, uh, and then nowadays uh, instead of doing it using mutual funds, the more popular way is what's called an ETF, which is basically a stock ticker symbol that you can just buy that company and is a company that all it does is own those companies that are in the stock index. So there's Whoa. there's like a stock ticker symbol that Vanguard runs um, that is the entire world stock index evenly distributed. And then I'm buying shares of that? You buy shares of that. Um, that's weird. And that's meta weird. It's the whole world. And proportionally, so it's Apple is the biggest thing in it. Sure. And there's some small slice of some South African uh, concession company that's doing well and is big enough to be on their index. And then everything in between. And when human ingenuity and the progress of technology increases the total output of our species... <laughs> then your money goes up. Wow. Over, over time. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And and if and if you have some sort of problem like, oh, uh, America is struggling or Europe is struggling or Canada is struggling or one particular part of the economy. Some place just isn't struggling. Yeah, there's some place that's not. And it's, over a long enough amount of time. 
yeah, someplace that you didn't expect. Like maybe suddenly uh, Egypt becomes this huge economic powerhouse for reasons that are obvious after the fact, but you didn't predict. You're good. And then it will grow a bunch in your, and it'll just be proportionally part of your thing. And then in the same way of industries, like you don't have to get into this business of, and if you go into the bank and you're like, I would like to invest for retirement, they will be thrilled to charge you fees on top of uh, the basic required like very minimal fees to have like an etf they'll charge a bunch of extra fees to be like oh well you can get our our tech fund that will invest more in technology or you can get right. our you know, high green fund or whatever right yeah yeah they're, they're they're trying to they're trying to sell this idea that oh you're smarter than average which you're not like <laughs> investing at least like the ultra comp- supercomputers in Manhattan, <laughs> the supercomputers <laughs> in Manhattan are the ones that are going to make the advantageous trades. You are not going to have some better idea about where the stock market is going to go than them. Right. But what you can do is you can go to Vanguard. Well, you know, you could go to them and get mutual funds if you want, but you can even just go onto any stock trading website and just have an account and then literally buy one stock symbol that just is one of everything. <laughs> and then just, just sit around and then you're done yeah just watch your watch your money increase yeah yeah see that everybody get rich quick scheme from alan pike it's actually a get rich very slowly scheme yes but reliably <laughs> um yeah so it's it's pretty cool and then there's companies that like if the idea of buying even a single stock symbol is intimidating um then there's a bunch of companies that have been starting up over the last five years uh like wealth front wealth bar wealth simple uh there's a there's a number of them betterment yeah and what they do is they have a nice web front end to you send them your money and they basically just put it into these etfs why Um, that's all they're doing so i'm just it's just as if i'm too lazy to even do that well, it's a little intimidating. Like if you go into a stock trading thing, they are a little more tilted towards people who are doing a lot of stock trading. And so if there's oh, a, a lot of bunch of fields that you put sure. it that you ignore, but it's like, oh, do you want this to be a limit order or a market order? And you're like, I don't know what those things are. I don't want a mistake. Right. And, and something I learned because I do do ETFs manually, mm. like I was quite intimidated by that. And then one time I made a mistake, like I accidentally bought, I don't know, Apple auto glass instead of Apple computer, whatever. Like, and then I was like, Oh no. Oh, uh, okay. Well sell, sell. Oh, okay. Now it's sold. Oh, <laughs> nothing happened. Right. It cost me like whatever, a dollar in commission or something. Okay. And then there was no real consequence. So, um, this is amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, so I, I would encourage people not to be like, too terrified of, of especially if you're just going to buy one symbol or like what you there's a couple options like because i uh, stocks are the growth part of a retirement portfolio but if you put literally all your money into stocks then when there's a crash then all your money goes down and then typically what will happen is you will panic and take it out and then lock in the losses which is right instead of riding the worst out. possible thing yeah so what you and also then you don't have any ability to buy more stock when it goes down which is kind of what you you ideally you buy extra when it's low uh you get a deal right okay so the way to to do it that's like the long-standing standard way is you buy mostly stocks um because that's what grows but then you have a certain percentage percentage depending on how old you are 20 percent or 30 percent or 40 percent maybe 10 percent if you want to be super aggressive uh of bonds which is just basically government you, you just bonds. make interest yeah government bonds you just make interest they just pay better interest than a bank account it's yeah it's exactly and yeah. so you and though that's you pair that with stocks because when stocks go down normally the bonds go up to compensate right so it just kind of it evens the keel and then when there's a stock crash and you look at your your betterment account or your stock trading account you don't see oh down 50 percent oh god okay i'm taking this money out and then doom yourself to lock in that loss um, you don't, and you don't feel that way because you know you're diversified yeah well you, it won't go down as much as a percentage if oh as a percentage you have, right, right, right. yeah of your total because if you worth. Yeah, because right. if you have some of it in bonds, like anything on Betterment or Wealthfront or Wealthbar or any of these will, like if you say, it'll ask like, oh, you want to set up an account? How aggressive do you want to be? And if you say, I want to be moderate or very aggressive or anything, they will put some percentage of of bonds in there. And right. those things will go up when the stock market goes down. So it cushions the blow. Oh, um, okay. So that is sort you, of an advantage to that managed version as opposed to you doing it yourself. 
Yeah, but what you would do if you're going to do it yourself, you would pick like Vanguard also has a all bonds in the world <laughs> fund, right? So you would say, <laughs> okay, you pick your percentages, which it doesn't really matter exactly what you pick, but like stereotypical would be like seventy percent stock, thirty percent bonds or something, sure. right? Like mostly stock because that's what grows, but then some buffer, and then you put seventy percent of your money into the the all stocks in the world one, and then you put thirty percent into your all bonds in the world one, and then. You know, at once a year you go in, and then if they're out of whack, then you contribute. You you even them out. Right. Then I just uh, I just uh, you know do that hand thing where you where you brush it off and you know, walk away. Yeah, exactly. And I and never you, look at it again. No, you, you said every year. Treasure. Okay, I have to do that. Yeah, every year. Well, once a year. I mean, and you put money into it, but it's it's something that if any of that is intimidating, that you're just putting it into something like Wealthfront or whatever is still way better and than, so now if if people lose any money is it you that they should sue because i didn't give any financial well, advice <laughs> I, as everyone knows i am a certified financial <laughs> uh planner in all, every country that, that somebody might be listening to this uh no i'm a i'm a computer programmer so don't listen to me um but 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 do check out this idea of index investing and yeah. low-fee investing yeah those are your google terms and totally. then we can put in a couple links um i'll put a thing on uh here um, a couple links in there for people to take a look at and learn a little bit more that if you are paying your bank to manage it for you and you're in their funds, um, then chances are you could be doing substantially better just by buying one or everything. And a cool bonus fact about Vanguard, which is the world's biggest uh, company that does this, is that they're like a credit union in that if you buy their funds, you proportionally own Vanguard. Oh, Cool. Uh, so it's run is owned by the people who own the funds. So yeah. they are not themselves like a profit driven. Yeah. They're, like they're therefore, not... they're not trying to. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's awesome. Um, to go forth and get rich. Yeah, I've got well, a slowly though. <laughs> I've got I've got a quick, maybe funner fact for you. Okay. Well, what that with <laughs> saving for retirement is fun. <laughs> I, it's fun to it's fun to me to uh, just watch money very slowly grow for over decades. <laughs> it's. I mean, not to say that's not fun. It's like I mean, a bonsai kind of thing. It's. It's no. That is super fun. But uh, you know, just something different. We'll say. Uh, fun fact: When the last woolly mammoths became extinct, the Great Pyramid at Giza had been constructed for several centuries wow yeah that, uh, mm-hmm. yeah 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 so like they basically were just the woolly mammoths were basically just here and we like just missed them that's basically what i'm saying yeah i mean it's it's funny to think about like things that seem like they have no time connection to each other but in fact overlapped it's like the the old paintings from like the 1800s of like di- like cave cavemen and dinosaurs being together which we now know no that did not happen did not happen that did not happen there were millions of years in between but the woolly mammoths maybe they weren't in egypt at the time they were not in egypt no uh the the last uh, remaining populations on mainland populations were lost long before the pyramids but in fact there was a uh, uh, an island where the woolly mammoth survived for a few thousand years after they were gone from the mainland. It's like a Jurassic Park kind of thing. You fly in with your helicopter and there's woolly mammoths and there's saber-toothed tigers. And... Exactly like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... <laughs> the music plays. And that, that they, they, they finally went extinct 4,000 years ago, several centuries after uh, the Great Pyramid of Giza was built. Um, were we at fault? I mean, I assume yes. Uh, I think as, as far as I know, the, uh, current best science is that nobody, uh, understands why they, uh, exactly went, uh, extinct. Mm-hmm. Um, some believe that it was, yeah, um, warming up and, uh, and the losing their habitat to people. But, uh, some other people believe it was, uh, comet, you know, I think that I, people, when they don't have an explanation for extinction events, just like comets, I think. <laughs> um, i don't know i'm not sure maybe, maybe sure maybe i'm definitely inclined to believe the people ruined things <laughs> theory <laughs> of of guesswork on science it's just mind-blowing uh, to me that, that 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 pyramid which you can go visit now what had been around for and i think it might have even been like 500 years uh at the time at which the woolly mammoths were still walking around i mean they just they just seem completely unconnected no, no, overlapping. Yeah, it's definitely, but it's also slightly distorted or just particularly interesting, I guess, 
how long ago the pyramids, the Great Pyramids were than almost any other thing in our history that we talk about. Like we're talking about, we talk about Jesus being 2000 years ago. And this is almost more than double. Yeah. It's like triple. It's like three times further ago. Which is you know, it's not, but it, it's it's more than double. Isn't it like four thousand or is it like two thousand BC? It's two thousand five hundred and eighty BC. Yeah, so so twice as far back, but there's enough a certain distance back where you start to your brain starts to go, oh yeah, it was like a really long time ago. Yeah, you just are eventually like, oh, before now, like a long, you know, because the dinosaurs seem like a, a so far ago because there's you know there's no connection to now, right? Uh huh. But the pyramid, like, you could go there tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are you going there tomorrow? Uh, well, I mean, now I am. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> the The stories of of the, like, the reason I'm inclined to blame the humans for the woolly mammoths uh, being gone on, even on this one island, but in general. Worst. Well, we're pretty bad, and they were particularly bad until, like, in the last, like, it's surprisingly recent, actually, if you read the history of a lot of large animals and ma- mammals that were in and around when people uh, had t- taken over the world, that until pretty recently, it was extremely accepted in in human society that just eradicating animals for our own benefit was a totally normal thing that, of course, you would do. Like, right. they just would come in and there's like, like, like these, uh, uh, Australia, I mean, also obviously before we had any sense of ecology or the scale of humanity, it was super commonplace. Like the, the story of, uh, these marsupials I was telling you about in Australia and like koalas and stuff, there were substantially larger, rounder, more defenseless marsupials. And then when, uh, humans made their way into Australia uh, thousands of years ago, they were just like, wow, these are really tasty. And just like, and <laughs> <laughs> And they're gone now. The the predator did arrive. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah, the koalas weren't worth it. Although they do eat koalas. Um, <laughs> looping back to that, it was uh, Earth all along, Alan. It was Earth all along. I forgot to mention previously the the way that they would hunt koalas. Um, in you know, the, the, I guess maybe probably still. Uh, it might there might be some uh tribes that still do this as like their their original hunting methods but mm. the the traditional way of hunting koalas because they were so stupid was to have a pole and then just like a, a loop on the end of the pole and then you would just put reach the pole up into the tree and then just loop the koala and then just bring it down see this seems like it, unfair <laughs> <laughs> like i don't I like don't picking like it it's like picking a fruit from the tree yeah yeah, I don't oh, like koala. it. I don't like yeah. it. It's too, yeah. it's too easy. I know, but now it's the story of so many animals. There's so many cool animals, and you see this, the dodo. this drawing. Yeah, the dodos, and it's like, yeah, they came around this island. Like, whoa, these are these cool dodos, and they drew a picture of it, and then they ate them all, and then they were done. Yeah, maybe they were really tasty though. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's awful. It's all been... awful. It's all awful. It's all awful. <laughs> Well, that's a good note to end on. <laughs> and humanity sucks. Yeah. Good night, everyone. Sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, we do, but still.